Welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is our special guest from the Annapolis Capital Gazette, Bill Wagner. And as always, our special uh, producer and the one who makes us all sound good, Chris Cervello. So, hey, let's jump right into it. Here we are. We're recording this on um, the day after the NCAA National Championship game. All the congratulations in the world to the Baylor Bears. I can tell you right now that for the first time in a long time, I watched that game last night and really felt that the two best teams consistently throughout the season ended up in the national title game. Now, a lot of UCLA people will say that, yeah, UCLA was definitely the hottest team in the country toward the end, but I'll, I'll tell you what, it, it, was, it, it was really a showcase of the two best teams consistently all year long. I was really entertained by the game. And, and again, congratulations to the Baylor Bears. But this isn't about the Baylor Bears. This is about Naval Academy Sports. So let's get right into it. A couple of personnel moves, a couple of big things going on. We're going to talk to Kip Simons of the men's gymnastics team about them winning their third straight ECAC championship. We're going to talk to Nadia St. Marie of the um, Navy women's golf team about this past weekend's uh, Navy Spring Invitational. And then we're also going to talk to Ellie Lecker of the Navy women's lacrosse team um, about their schedule and how the pressure is kind of on uh, for them to, to turn, turn frowns upside down and get some W's in order to make the Patriot League tournament. So let's start there. Wags, on the lacrosse front, why don't you kind of frame the importance of the next week or so and how both of these teams need to go up and, and take it to the Mountain Hawks to protect their postseason chances? Well, as it stands now, John, the Patriot League has a format in which the top two teams from each of the divisions, makes the Patriot League tournament. So for lacrosse, there's a north and a south division, and the top two teams in each division will make a four-team tournament. Now, it is possible that the Patriot League could expand the tournament. They did that for basketball right before the tournament began. They announced that every team in the Patriot League was going to be eligible for the tournament, and it changed the entire dynamic. Uh, you Navy lost to Loyola in men's basketball in the Patriot League tournament. And under the previous format, Loyola wouldn't even have been in the Patriot League tournament. But the reason, as it stands now, why this weekend is so big is because Navy men and women already have a loss in the South Division. Navy women lost to Loyola last Wednesday, and the Navy men lost to Loyola this past Saturday, and that puts them behind the eight ball. They now have Lehigh this weekend, which is another South Division opponent. And if you lose to Lehigh, then you've Lehigh and Loyola are in the driver's seat with victories over Navy as a tiebreaker. Now, Navy did beat Bucknell on the men's side, um, and I believe they beat him on the women's side. Let me make sure that game was played with our current COVID situation. You never know what games got played and which ones didn't. I'm checking the website right now. Navy has not played Bucknell on the women's side yet. So the only South Division game Navy women have played is Loyola. But you see the situation. If you've got two South Division losses, you're, you've lost the tiebreaker. And it makes it very hard for you to be one of those top two teams. So 
This weekend is huge for both the men's and women's Navy lacrosse teams. So I'll ask you, Wags, you know, right in between that, um, before a pretty tough trip up to Bethlehem, PA, they've got to welcome in Drexel on Wednesday. So with that mindset, it used to be you know, that, that teams, when they had like kind of a BS non-conference game in the middle, wouldn't play their best people, um, you know, would concentrate on the conference slate. Is that the case here? Like, is this Drexel game just, you know, uh, kind of inconveniently scheduled? Or is this an opportunity for them to kind of hone some things that they were doing poorly this past weekend in order to put their best foot forward against Lehigh? Well, first of all, I'm going to put on my old school, old guy hat and remind the world that college lacrosse used to be played twice a week. There was always a midweek game and then a Saturday game, day game. And that's why college lacrosse used to start at the beginning of March. And these coaches are now treating lacrosse like it's football, which it's not. You can play two games of lacrosse in a week. The high schools do it all the time, Tuesday, Friday. So uh, the coaches have decided lacrosse needs to be like football and you can only play one game a week. And that's why the season now begins in freaking February, which is ridiculous. So enough of my old guy hat, but no, uh, you can play Drexel and then play Lehigh without any big deal. And frankly, I would imagine that competition right now is exactly what Navy needs. After this long layoff, they need to play lacrosse games. So a game against a ranked opponent like Drexel is ideal, in my opinion, to get the competitive level up and to, you know, kind of get back into sync after such a long layoff. I think the men against Loyola, you, you saw the effects of the layoff. That was not Navy's best effort. Loyola's very good and did a lot of things to take Navy out of its game. But I, I feel as though the layoff showed a little bit against Loyola for the Navy men. Ward, I think you were so. there. What's maybe your thoughts on the Navy men's lacrosse on Saturday? If folks watch us on Twitter and Instagram, our pre-halftime and post-game reports, you, you get a pretty good feel for what our feelings are. Um, I think they were, they were flat. Obviously, they were a step behind Loyola in terms of ball movement. Um, they got... They got kind of owned. Uh, we had a nice momentum shift towards the end. And as I said in the postgame report, we needed a fifth quarter, you know, uh, to, to close the difference. It was too little too late because we got ourselves in such a huge hole, uh, you know, for the balance of the game. So um, with respect to the balance of the season, uh, you know, I have my concerns as you just laid out. Uh, you know, and you can blame the layoff, the 28-day layoff that we've documented, et cetera. But uh, they, they definitely uh, got outclassed uh, against um, Loyola last weekend. And Lehigh is tough. Lehigh is an outstanding program that has really been developing. Uh, this is going to be a major challenge for the Navy men. Navy women are have been right there with Loyola's, the top team in the Patriot League. So I... I think Navy women could get the job done and beat Lehigh. And I do still fully expect the Navy and Loyola women to be the South representatives in the tournament. But this is a tall task for the men. John? 
Yeah, I agree. And um, obviously we'll be, we'll be cheering hard and bringing you all the updates that we can. I'd be remiss as well if we didn't cover the fact that, um, you know, not since my, my gritty days on the staff and faculty had I spent so much time out on Ingram Field, the, the site of many a pedestrian PRT result for me. Um, but really, really awesome results out there for the men's and women's track and field team. Wags, you wrote a great story about Jamie Cook, you know, taking both squads and coaching both of them. And then I'll tell you what, Army came down uh, for the star meet against the men's and women's teams and came away completely empty. We sang second twice in track and field, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, so all together, really good results, including women's soccer. I went out there after the track and field and, and lacrosse debacle and, and went out and watched the women play a really, really good team um, and, and really lose possession for a majority of the second half, but got a key win. You wrote a good story about the soccer team as well, Wags. What faces them going forward? Well, let me weigh in on soccer and track and field. I'll start, start with women's soccer. Uh, what they did was really remarkable. They came out of a ROM in which they hadn't been able to practice for 21 days, and then they played three games in eight days, and that is very challenging. Soccer is a grueling sport. You're running nonstop for 90 minutes up in a 120-yard field. Uh, so tremendous, and every win was by a goal. So it's you know one nothing, 2-1. Uh, so Navy women's soccer dug deep, and uh, – you know, I, I talked to Coach Karen Gabera yesterday for the article, and she just couldn't say enough of praise about her team. She's just so proud, and she was looking forward to being able to actually train them for four days and try to get their conditioning level back to where it should be. Um, next Wednesday night, I will be there. Uh, I'm sure the Sing Second Sports team will be there. Navy will be hosting the runner-up South Division team in the Patriot League Tournament semifinals going to be a big one next Wednesday night at Glen Warner soccer facility. And we'll all be there to bring you the action. Uh, Navy track and field. I, I went over to Ingram field as well with you, John, we did a live hit for the sing second sports team and really, really cool to get over there and watch the track athletes perform. I watched uh, uh, a couple races, the 400 meter dash uh, Pierce won the 400 meter dash. He was a double winner on uh, Saturday. And, uh, you know, I mentioned in the article you mentioned as uh, Jamie Cook is now running both teams, men and women. This is a major change. Carla Christie and Steve Cooksey retired and Chet Gladchuck, the athletic director, decided, do we need two separate staffs running two separate programs? Let's combine our resources. There's very limited time in the afternoon for midshipmen to practice. So let's put the best possible coaching staff together and let them train the men and women together simultaneous and it'll raise the game of everyone. And it has. And th that was the ninth straight star meet victory outdoors for the men, the sixth straight star meet victory for the women. So uh, things are really looking up for Navy track and field. Molly Mangan on the, on the women's side. Clayton Thompson on the men's side were two of the big scorers, but there were a ton of heroes. Go and read my article in the Capitol and you can get the full gist. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to throw it over to Ward because you know what's really neat? I, I'll be honest. I haven't covered a Navy track and field meet, and that's, that's on me. Uh, the fact that that was my first time, I go over there and I see people sitting on the wall 
hanging off the wall. They're in the parking lot. That was a really cool atmosphere. Um, great attendance. Ward, do you remember hanging out and watching some track and field meets during your amazing days as a midshipman at the Naval Academy? Um, yeah, but I'm trying to think of where the track and field meets were held. I think it was Thompson Field. Um, you know, that's before Lejeune Hall was built. Um, there was no cool Ingram Field track facility. That was built when Johnny and I were on the staff. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and the other thing they didn't have was the, the Brown Fieldhouse back in, in our day. That was just another lacrosse field when I was a mid. Uh, so I, I, I think what we're seeing here is the sing second aperture is all across the yard. In fact, somebody tweeted they should follow us because we're covering all the action. And, and we did divide and conquer in a way uh, that, that demonstrates that on this weekend. You know, in fact, we're all in the press box and Johnny's like, I'm going over to the Bish and then I'm going over to Ingram Field and maybe, you know, and so, um, I mean, good on us for, uh, you know, having a holistic view about Navy sports and the physical mission. And we're just getting started as we come out of the COVID environment. Um, so yes, we will cover track. I look forward to getting on a, a, a Boston Whaler and covering a regatta. You know, I want to be on the windward mark when the four twenties come around and, and cover that and do a live hit from the Severn, you know, um, or be on a, 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 a NA 44 or, or a Colgate 26, you know, I mean, I, we're going to cover the whole beat here uh, as we keep going. And so wags, what, what you articulate here is that that capability and i agree i wasn't there because i was over at uh navy marine corps memorial but a beautiful day good action navy sing second and star meet fantastic stuff and we're there to cover it and additionally to that um really really nice i have to say and and i could just tell that there were smiles beneath those masks but seeing mids out in town again, I know the ROM has been very well chronicled and that a lot of people were worried about the collective morale of the brigade, but seeing them out there, um, seeing them out in town, uh, just seeing mids as part of the fabric of Annapolis, we've talked about this, it's not natural. And I'm not talking about mids out in front of Acme at two in the morning. I'm talking about mids walking the streets of Annapolis throughout the weekend. And, and that is how the Naval Academy is a part of the fabric of this town. It's what's so different from West Point to Highland Falls. It's what's so different about the, the wide expanse at the Naval Academy and, and that relationship with Colorado Springs. This is a very different environment geographically and socially. And it was so nice to see the mids out there. Um, as we go to break, I would be remiss if I didn't summarize the entirety of the sports slate uh, that we tried to cover. And if we haven't covered your sport, hit us up on Twitter and let us know, um, you know where we can go, what we can cover. We talked about uh, women's golf, and we're going to talk about that more with Nadia in our interview later on. Uh, we talked about men's and women's track and field. Uh, women's tennis went up to West Point and, and lost 5-2, a tough one for them. Baseball lost the first uh, the first half of a doubleheader against Lehigh on Saturday 5-1, but then came back and beat them 4-3 in the nightcap. And then unfortunately had to play a game on Easter Sunday at Lehigh 
I guess on Easter, what better place to be than Bethlehem, PA, but they lost 3-1 on Sunday to Lehigh. So uh, we talked women's soccer. Men's soccer also went up to Bethlehem on Saturday and defeated the Lehigh Mountain Hawks 2-0. And then men's tennis uh, defeated Lehigh in Annapolis 5-2. We're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Navy men's gymnastics coach Kip Simon. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. Okay, hey, hey, we are back. Thanks for sticking with us here on Sing Second Sports. We're really happy to be joined by men's gymnastics coach at the U.S. Naval Academy, Kip Simons, um, fresh off of winning their third straight ECAC uh, championship. Uh, coach Simons, uh, very gracious to uh, to give us some time today uh, to break that down and talk a little bit about um, you know what it's been like during the COVID pause and now what it's like to be competing again. So, Kip. Number one, thanks for joining us. Number two, what was it like to come off of the COVID pause and then have such a high profile event that you couldn't really prepare for the way that you're used to preparing? What was that entire dynamic like? Sure, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, John. Appreciate it. Um, You know, challenging. um, I've never faced anything like that for sure. Um, You know, the the shutdown back in the fall was one thing uh, during preseason, but you know, when you're, you're finally trucking along and, you know, shifting from third gear into fourth gear, getting ready for that postseason, and then that hard, you know, that hard lockdown for, for three weeks was really challenging on all fronts, you know, mentally, physically. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is, right? And um, our guys have gotten very used to dealing with adversity, and um, we were just waiting, chomping at the bit for the green light. And once we got that green light, you know, we had literally 10 days to prepare for the conference championship. And, um, you know, the, the first concern was certainly injuries. Um, so we knew that we, as much as we wanted to just jump right back in and pick up where we left off, we were basically going to have to go back to August, you know, training plan and getting your hands, you know, because their hands are just bloodied up because they've lost their calluses, you know, over a three week period. And so now all of a sudden they're swinging around that high bar and their hands are just ripping to shreds. And so, you know, dealing with aches and pains, one thing, but injuries, you know, is another thing. And so we knew that we were going to deal with the aches and pains. And so recovery was a huge part, you know, almost finishing practice 10, 15 minutes early to work on the recovery piece for the next day. And so getting in the ice tubs and, and, um, you know, making sure that the bodies are ready to go for the next day. But, you know, we took about three or four days just to prepare the body. And then we literally had, you know, from Wednesday to the following Friday to prepare our routines. And, you know, what we did was just kind of dumbed our routines down a little bit. So if they're doing, you know, a triple twist, now all of a sudden we're going down to a two and a half or, you know, just a double full. And so we knew that we weren't going to lose the meat based on how hard our routines were. We would lose the meat if we missed a lot of our, our performances. And so we went out and we hit 26 out of 30. And, you know, that, that kept us right where we needed to be. It was a tight meet, a little tighter than I was hoping for. Uh, William & Mary was certainly prepared. Uh, they had a lot riding. Um, 
they, they obviously wanted to win the conference, but also it was their opportunity to qualify to the NCAA regional. So they were well coached, well prepared. But, um, you know, honestly, I think our game plan worked out really, really well. Um, guys stayed healthy. We had the right lineup out there um, and, and they went out and executed. Um, the captain was was phenomenal with his leadership and, and really, you know, all of the firsties were were solid, solid performers. And I knew that I could put, you know, the lion's share of the workload on their shoulders and they were going to go out and get the job done. And, um, you know, I think we won four out of the six events plus the all around Ryan McVeigh hasn't done the all around all year long. And he, he wanted to win the conference. I knew he, he, um, you know, obviously team first, but he also had, you know, in the back of his mind that if he went out and hit six routines, he could win the all around individually. And so that's exactly what he did. But um, yeah, it was, it was nerve wracking. I'll tell you, John, um, to, to have 10 days or sorry, three weeks off and then 10 days to prepare was um, something I've never faced, but uh, proud of the coaching staff and the game plan we put together. Well, you, you said it. And before I kick it to Wags, let me just offer this. I mean, the, you, you mentioned the, the quality of the coaching and this is what we keep getting at with this podcast is, is the benefit uh, that these athletes get from coaches who match their, their loyalty, their dedication and their work ethic and, and coaches who have their six and their back. Um, you know, what does it say? You mentioned Ryan McVeigh, but then Tucson winning the floor exercise, Carlson on rings, Keller on the vault, you know, all these guys firsties. And as I'm watching the national title game last night in basketball, Baylor and Gonzaga, and they're talking about which players come back and which players get their fifth year of eligibility because of COVID. You know, these dudes are going to the fleet. They're not getting a fifth year. Um, you know, so what, what is that senior leadership meant to you? not only out there on the fields of friendly strife competing, but the way that they've conducted themselves during such a difficult time during the pandemic. Just maturity and, and professionalism, you know, it's, it's humbling, you know, to go to work every day and be surrounded by um, the character and the level of these guys. You know, we, we preach a lot about humility and, and being grateful. And, um, you know, that's what I think that they bring every day to the gym and, and certainly now that they see, you know, that they've got less than two weeks left in their careers, you know, in our sport, we start at the age of, you know, six, seven, eight. If you're not into gymnastics by 10, you've missed, you know, the ship has sailed. And so, um, you know, these guys have been at it for, you know, 16 years now, so to speak. And, and um, they see the end coming for sure. And so every single day you can see that they're grateful to have this opportunity, especially after, you know, a three week lockdown. And that's all we really wanted for these firsties is, is closure, um, you know, as the rug was pulled out from us last year on those seniors, but um, you know, for these seniors to, to have that closure and um, you know, that's, that's what they deserve. And, and um, you know, I, I tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to miss it. And, and you talk about what they brought to the competitive field here over this past weekend, you know, how do you replace that? <laughs> that's, that's the a concern for sure. But, you know, really, if you look at our, um, you know, kind of path over the last few years, we've been very thirsty heavy. And then, you know, we just expect the, the plebes to come in and get spun up. And then also, you know, those um, third class, I'm sorry, the second class are um, expected to then just mature and, and fill those shoes. And so we've got eight um, juniors right now that I know are just dying to, um, to step in and lead this program, you know, come next year. So I think we're going to be in good hands with a really strong plead class coming in. And then also those juniors that are, that are ready to take the, <clears throat> take the helm. Wags. 
Well, I was going to ask you about strategy and kind of, you know, maybe you could explain to the listeners how you choose an all-arounder and how you set your lineup. I mean, I know these are all very talented gymnasts, and it's somewhere along the line they did every apparatus. They weren't specialists. How did Ryan McVeigh ascend to be your all-arounder? I don't believe, but I may be wrong, that he was the all-arounder last year. Do you have more than one all-arounder? And then, or is it a case where you decide that Ryan McVeigh is the all-around guy, we're going to put him in there to, to chase the all-around championship, and therefore we're going to put David Toussaint, Jake Carlson, Travis Keller, and Giovanni. John, give me the Italian pronunciation. Let's go. Giambattese. <laughs> what uh, kind of tell us the strategy how you how you how you set this up? Yeah, you, you bet, Bill. Um, you know, Ryan is just one of those guys. He's like a utility guy. You know, he can go out there and and um, you know, back in my time, back in the early '90s, yeah, you did. You trained the all around. You competed the all around. You know, all the way through college. <clears throat> the, the sport has evolved, and, and so now it is really more about a specialist. You're going to get you know, a one, two or three event guy. And that's usually about it. The majority of our team is made up by those one, two or three event guys. Occasionally you'll get someone special. Um, and, and it's great uh, because he can go out there and he can literally get the job done on all six of the apparatus. But um, you know, the way that the makeup went this weekend, Ryan actually didn't make the lineup for us on vault. So we, we put up five competitors. Ryan actually went in that sixth spot, which you can do just to compete in the all-around. So he was not good enough to make our team be one of our top five guys, but the conference allows you, and at the NCAA level as well, to go in a, in a sixth and even a seventh position. As long as you do at least three events for the team, you can do the other three events for yourself to then you know, make a run at the individual title. But we're always going to be you know, team-focused. Um, the all-around spot is nice. Um, it, it's great to have an all-around champion in the conference, but um, it's going to be about putting the best five guys out there. And it's really challenging to be one of the best five on all six of the apparatus. We do have a plead coming in next year that's going to make a run at that. Um, and, and I do expect him to be out there doing five to six events week in and week out. But I tell you, that's, that's challenging because it, it's tough on the body um, when you're doing – that sort of workload every single weekend. And then you got to be doing it Monday through Friday as well. Um, you know, everybody else for the most part in a, in a three hour training block, you can get to two, three events, but you know, when you're, when you're pushing six events, trying to train that every single day and competing on the weekend, you got to really manage, you know, manage the workload. Well, that's interesting because I've always in my head as, and I guess come from Olympics thought of, the best gymnast is the one that's able to excel in multiple events. I mean, Dominique Dahls, am I correct me if I'm wrong, but she's not just a floor exercise or a parallel bars gymnast. She can do multiple events and excel at the highest level. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She was a stud. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She was uh, 92 and 96. I think she just opened a gym uh, just, just uh, up here in Columbia. I believe she has her own training facility now and, um, Dominique was, was one of the best and, um, but yeah, you're right, Bill, um, the more events, but you know, you can also have a guy that's just a ring, a ring, uh, specialist. And if he brings, you know, a, a high score of 15.2 versus an all arounder, that's going to be, you know, kind of in the mid thirteens, you know, as long as you have the depth on your roster, which we have about 23 guys on our roster, we can use 15 on any given weekend. 
you know, we do have room to pepper in those, those specialists. And typically they come on the pommel horse and the still rings. Those are kind of two events that are pretty unique. Um, and we do have one pommel horse specialist. Um, we don't have any just ring specialists, but typically they're about, you know, five foot nothing and, you know, built like a, you know what? <laughs> so right. pretty, pretty strong guys. So what's the strategy going into NCAA and what are your hopes? I mean, would, would you know, what would you like to finish team wise in terms of points? And do you feel like uh, any of these uh, gymnasts are capable of, of doing some, making some noise at the NCAA championships? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the guys have set the goal to be in the top eight and um, that's a, a very uh, lofty goal. And we got some work, you know, work to do here over these next 10 days as we prepare. But really, it's about upgrading our routines, because as I mentioned earlier, we kind of dumbed down those routines a little bit just to get through conference. Now we got to get those upgrades back in there safely um, and hit routines. 26 out of 30 is not going to do it. Um, we, we pretty much have to be 29 or 30 out of 30 with these upgraded routines to um, you know, be, be breaking into those Big Ten programs. Uh, but I, I think we can bust a 400. You know, that would be a, a good goal for us to go out to, to the NCAA championship and be 400 plus with, with all the best teams on the floor. And I'll find out tomorrow which session we're in, but kind of scouting things at the moment. Um, you know, I believe we're going to be in with OU, Nebraska, Illinois, the Ohio State, um, us and William and Mary, I believe. So those competition. The, oh yeah. Yeah. And so those will be the six in our session. And then the other six will be in the evening session. And, um, you know, we'll go out and, and we're, we're going to battle. I, I can tell you that, um, you know, these firsties want to go out on a high note and um, we're going to go out and prepare for the next 10 days and, and uh, empty the tank. That's all. That's all we can do. Great, Kip. Thanks a lot. It's great talking to you. You're a fantastic coach for Navy. And the Naval Academy and the Navy gymnasts are so fortunate to have you here leading them. I appreciate that, Bill. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, all-star outfielder Josh Simon's dad, Kip. Uh, he also coaches uh, gymnastics on the side in addition to being a parent of a dominant outfielder for the Broadneck Bruins uh, <laughs> U13 travel team. That's right. Yeah, we got, got a huge slate coming up. So oh, yeah. uh, Coach, Coach Simons and I will be cheering from the sidelines. So, Coach, again, thank you so much. Congratulations on the third straight ECAC championship and good luck in the NCAAs. Appreciate it, John. Go Navy. Go Navy. All right, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Navy women's golf coach Nadia St. Marie. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. Awesome conversation with uh, Navy Gymnastics coach Kip Simons. Now joining us for the first time, and it's been overdue. We've been working on this for a couple of months, but... Uh, it was well-timed as we're just coming off of the Navy Spring Invitational at the Naval Academy Golf Course, the newly renovated Naval Academy Golf Course. So happy to be joined by Navy women's golf coach, Nadia St. Marie. Absolutely decorated golfer as an amateur, decorated golfer on several tours to include the LPGA Tour, European, Asian, uh, Canadian PGA, and the Futures Tour. 
and now has been the head coach of the Naval Academy Women's Golf Program. Uh, this is her ninth season. So we're just coming off of the uh, Spring Invitational this past weekend. You know, again, thank you so much for making time. It was, you know, busy weekend, Friday and Saturday. And, you know, here we are as we record this on Tuesday. It's supposed to be 75 and sunny and gorgeous today. Friday and Saturday, as you well know, was not like that. Absolutely awful conditions. In fact, I was teeing off late morning on Saturday right after the tournament went off uh, with former Navy men's golfer Garrett Moyer. And we were looking over on 17. And, I mean, all three players in that group had flown the 17th green. And when we came around to 17 and saw where the tee box was, that was like 153 yards to 17 in the swirling wind. And it was, it was absolutely frigid cold. What were those conditions like for, for the ladies out there to try to compete, particularly after being off for COVID for so long? Well, that's the thing. I mean, those conditions, even if you're, um, your game is, tuned up and ready to go and you've been playing a lot they're very challenging to anyone right as you can tell or you knew from playing um I think what was difficult for us is that was truly maybe our fifth round fourth round of the semester and um very little practice in between and so things that typically they would be able to um calculate and adapt when you don't really know how far you're hitting it to begin with it's hard to calculate and adapt so um, it proved challenging for everyone. It was unfortunate that, um, you know, the next few days were a lot nicer. We just happened to catch that front coming in on Friday. Um, but they, they, you know, they kept on and did their best. You know, when you hear balls rolling off of the green on number two and number five, because the wind's pushing it, you know, it's like I hit a soft coach, <laughs> but the wind took it and, uh, rolling off the green. Those are just very, very, um, tough and difficult conditions that you don't see very often, but it just so happened to be that first day. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, at Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner can attest to my awful putting, but I putt, I was above the hole on two and I, and I had a putt that rolled almost completely back into number two fairway. Um, exactly. So it was, it was obviously like racing, racing fast out there. So you know, the, the ladies went out and, and really worked hard. They, they came in third behind Delaware State and Towson in, in really tough conditions. And your senior captain, Christine McDonnell, uh, McDonald, shot 80-81, which is pretty darn good um, in those conditions. You know, some of those scores on day one were enormous. A bunch right. of 90s from a bunch of ladies on those teams. So, you know, what, what does it meant? during the pandemic, this opportunity for you to have a unique relationship with your athletes that might, that has not existed in your previous nine years. I mean, this is a new thing for everyone. What's it meant for you? How, how have you handled this? And what have you seen from your athletes in terms of their stick to in terms of their work ethic to get through this very difficult time? Um, well, it's been, it's been good and bad. I mean, I think that their academics, they've been able to rock on with it, you know, and do well. And um, even though our first week back was truly during their 12 weeks, that was a little bit challenging. And first time that we were asking them to, to manage a little bit more than what they were the last four weeks. Um, but, you know, they, they've done quite well in terms of emotionally, you know, yes, this has been tough. And they're so excited and thrilled to be back on the golf course and playing. But I think the hard part is, but their games aren't where they wish they were, you know, 
And so there's just a lot of, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a roller coaster, um, but through it all, I feel like they've managed it very, very well and um, doing as much as what, you know, and as well as they can. Um, it's just, it's really challenging. Again, we were practicing during the winter. We were indoors, uh, never had a chance to play outdoors until the Saturday before we left for Kingsmill. That was our first 18 hole rounds as a team since last October, just to give you a bigger picture of the old, you know, how it really has been. Um, so in hitting indoors, you feel what you're doing, but you don't get to see the ball, you know, trajectory or the, the movement of the ball. You don't really know for sure how much you're carrying it. So again, when you start playing, there's a little bit of, there's a time adjustment for that. And usually it's not just one round. It might take a couple of rounds. And for us, it went from one round to a practice round to then 36 hole tournament and 18 hole tournament. So again, we did okay considering that was our first tournament the 36 whole day was very challenging because they haven't been physically trained for that on top of you know their golf training so um that was a it was a great weekend it was so awesome to be back you know as a team traveling and doing what we love but again it was that 36 whole day when they came off the golf course they had nothing more to give <laughs> you know emotionally anything so um the next day they bounced back beautifully we played well on a sunday and, um, and then, like I said, we came back and it was 12 weeks. So they had to have a day off and got right back into their studies. And then our tournament, again, we didn't get to play again until that first round on Friday. So we did practice, but those conditions were just very, very demanding. And so, you know, our scores do not reflect their games. And I, as I tell them, they do not define who you are. It's just where we are right now, you know, and uh, obviously we've got a lot of work ahead of us these next few weeks to be able to get our games in the shape they need to be for Patriot League. Well, I'll tell you, as I kick it over to WAGS, um, I have to take my hat off to Stephanie Lee. She shot a very John Schofield, like 92, her first round. And then I'll tell you what, not giving up and coming right back. She shot a very Bill Wagner, like 77, the second round. So going from 92 to 77, hell of a performance. Wags, go ahead. I can assure you, John, that I have never smelled the 70s. Um, <laughs> if I break 90, it's uh, I'm buying drinks all around for all my partners. Um, Nadia, I wanted to talk about the Patriot League championships. Now, it says Bethlehem, PA. I thought that Navy was hosting the Patriot League Championships. Is that only for the men? Yes, this year the men are hosting. We are scheduled to host it next spring. Oh, great. Well, that'll be exciting next spring. So it is going to be Salkin Valley up in Bethlehem. So you've got this dual at Prospect Bay next, this coming weekend to try to far, further fine-tune. But looking ahead at the Patriot League Championships, what are your hopes and goals for Navy, both team and individually? You know, that was kind of the importance of being able to play Kingsmill because our Patriot League Championship is a 36-hole, 18-hole competition. So um, that's a lot to ask when you haven't been playing a lot of 18 holes is to focus for, we're asking them to focus for almost 11 hours straight, you know, because it is continual once they tee up. So even though we didn't do what we want to do at Kingsmill, we've got a lot of information that we can gather and say, what could we do better? You know, where can we improve and make it easier for Patriots? Um, luckily I would say Saucon Valley being in the Valley, there's some Hills, but nothing like Kings Mills. So in terms of the, the, the walking and the, um, getting around the course, it's a lot easier than what Kings Mill, the demand of Kings Mill. Um, and the, in terms of same focus, obviously 
it's really just that training. And that's why we need to play as much as we can leading up to it. Um, so we're looking forward to this week. And even though probably more time on the range would be beneficial right now, we still need to be on the course learning to focus and um, to maintain that for at least, you know, five hours at a time. Um, so we're excited, you know, that we have two weeks to prep for it. And I know Stockton Valley, we've been there many, many times to compete and play. It's a very um, challenging but fair course. And I know these girls are going to play it well. We just have to, like I said, put the time in and um, get ready for it. And in terms of what you think, where I mean, how do you rate Navy among Patriot League teams? And do you have an individual that you feel can challenge for a, a high placement? It's a hard one for me to say. I mean, I can tell you that Richmond's been playing since February and they played, you know, when we played them in um, Kingsville two weeks ago, that was their fourth tournament. Uh, you know, that was our first. So we're a little bit behind the eight ball, but that's never stopped anybody. You know, um, I wish I could say we were, we had played in all the tournaments, you know, and had been able to practice and we were sharp. We're not there yet. That's why I think that it's awesome that we have that extra week. Um, to be able to prep for it. I do believe that with our resilience and determination and hard work and ethic, we can get there. But right now today, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, we're just, we're so far behind prep between, um, and I would say Richmond's the one school in Patriot League that has had the opportunity to play as much as they have. Um, Bucknell, Lehigh are probably like us and uh, Boston U and, um, Holy Cross are probably a little bit behind us even because I think they started playing this past weekend just because of the no flights. You know, we can't fly anywhere. And as you know, the weather is hit or miss up here, you know, uh, whereas Richmond being a little bit further south and traveling to North Carolina is no problem for them, you know, and uh, even South Carolina, I think they were down there for a couple of tournaments. So uh, truly they're the one team that is honed in and prepared. The rest of us, I think are about the same. But I'm not going to say we're playing for second because we're still playing for first. It's just that we really have a lot to do to catch up. Last for me, um, obviously, for our listeners to know, in addition to coaching Navy women's golf, Nadia is also a head professional at the Naval Academy Golf Club uh, with working with Pat Owen, our good friend, who's the head coach of the men's program at Navy. Um, a couple of questions regarding Naval Academy Golf Club. Number one, your thoughts on the renovation. Number two, Obviously, I think it's great to have a female professional uh, to bring some balance to the to the club as a whole. And I I play there on occasion as an honored guest with a John Schofield or a Ward Carroll or even as the guest of one Pat Owen. But um, I must say, I don't see a lot of women golfers out there, but I got to guess there's a good amount of, of, of club members that are women. And, you know, do you do a lot of lessons? Um, I do teach somewhat, I, um, and we do have a lot of women, but you'd have to be out there Tuesday morning or Thursday morning. That's when they, the groups play, and uh, it's, they're, they're pretty active, and they're very full. Great group of ladies, and we love them because typically when we have a big tournament, they're out there volunteering and giving up their time to help our tournament. So it's a great group of uh, women golfers, and uh, in terms of the renovations, and it was fun to finally host our first event since the, you know it opened up. And it got great reviews from the other teams. We love it. You know, and so, of course, we're a little bit biased. We think it's pretty awesome and uh, pretty incredible. But to hear the other coaches and the other players say how wonderful it was and how much they love the golf course um, just pretty much confirms our thoughts, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great track. 
it's um, in beautiful conditions. The golf, you know, the greens this early in the season, I can tell you are as good as we've seen so far. And our fairways, even though they're not green, they're fairways. I mean, they're nice. And uh, so, yeah, the golf course is just going to mature and get better is all we can say. I mean, it's pretty awesome now, but it still has some maturity to do in terms of the grass, you know, the strength of the grasses and all that. But uh, they did a great job. We're so proud. And, you know, things are happening for us at the golf course for the teams. And um, it's a good time to be part of Navy golf. Well, I second that emotion. I can't wait for uh, for the summer to hit and the greens to be yes. <laughs> from where they are now, which is stupid fast, to summer where they're going to be stupid, stupid, stupid fast. Uh, I can't wait to roll them off on one, two, fifteen. Um, it just it, hours and hours of fun for sure. Well, uh, we can't wait to be out there tomorrow morning. Our intrepid producer Chris Cervello is uh, coming back from Florida to see what real golf is, and and we can't wait to tee it up and. We can't wait to continue to uh, follow the uh, the ladies golfers of, of the Naval Academy under your leadership, Nadia. Thank you so much for making time and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you all and uh, go Navy. Go Navy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Nadia St. Marie of the Naval Academy golf course and the Naval Academy women's golf team. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk to Navy women's lacrosse uh, player Ellie Lecker. Uh, she of Punta Vedra Beach, Florida, uh, near and dear to Chris Ravello's heart. So stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. We will be right back. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, we are back on Sing Second Sports. Really happy to be joined here on our athlete segment by midshipman Ellie Lecker. Ellie, the pride of Punta Vedra Beach, Florida. Um, and, you know, having a great season so far. Ellie, we try to keep these short, so I'm going to get right to it. How about your weather this year, uh, playing uh, women's lacrosse? Uh, I don't know if you see these conditions down in PVB that much, but you had the, one of the first games of the year, I forget, Warden Wags were there. They were talking about how it was like freezing rain and ice sticking on sticks and torrential downpour against Loyola. We'll get to the X's and O's here in a minute, but how hard is it to play in those conditions, particularly those two games that I referenced? Yeah, it's definitely, you really have to adapt and fight through it. It's something that I don't think anyone has seen before, especially in that first game we played with the freezing rain. Our sticks were completely frozen. We'd be like holding our sticks under our shirts to keep them warm. Um, It's pretty crazy, but I mean, both teams have to deal with it. So we just kind of had to fight through it. So another quick one for me before I kick it over to our producer and uh, fellow Northern Florida resident, Chris Cervello, what has the season been like for you? you you've, you've had success. You're breaking out a little bit more, um, you know, but not necessarily seeing that yesterday versus Loyola. But on top of that, the, the, the sheer difficulty of a three-week pause because of COVID and coming back and the way that last season ended where are you emotionally and how much do you rely on your teammates to really get through these tough times? We've obviously been going through a lot of adversity pretty much from like a whole year from now. There's been a lot going on. Um, and I rely almost fully on my teammates. You know, we're all there to pick each other up. 
when we found out we had that three-week pause, it was definitely really hard on us, especially the seniors, hearing that, like, we're not going to be able to see each other for the next three three weeks and potentially, like, we don't even know where our season's going. But we stayed positive. We checked in on each other every day, you know, tried to work out together as much as we could. And pretty much just, like, relying on our, um, like, goals and, like, sticking to, like, winning a national championship and keep pushing through and just checking in on each other and making sure everyone's good. Chris? How would you assess where you guys are from a goal standpoint right now? I mean, you talked a little bit about the adversity. Um, you know, you're going to have ups and downs. I mean, I think I would throw the Loyola game um, as a down. Certainly the Army win that you were the, you know, the impetus for what wasn't up. But I mean, where would you put put the team on its path to hopefully what is a national championship? Yeah, I think we're on the road to where we are. We have a lot of work to put in. Like we saw last night, um, there's definitely some things we need to work on with communication and just getting back into lacrosse shape because we were out for those three weeks. So it was definitely just getting back into the lacrosse mindset. But I think we can do it this week. We're really going to grind. We already have practice scheduled film today. And I think if we really work hard, we'll reach our goal by the end of the season. So you only have a few months left at the Naval Academy. What's next for you after you graduate? And, you know, what what is lacrosse done to kind of help you um, reach those goals? Yeah, so next year, around October, I'll be heading down to flight school. I'm going to be a Naval flight officer, so aviation. Um, lacrosse has pretty much helped me reach that goal completely. I almost blame my whole reason of going aviation on lacrosse. It's a very like teamwork oriented place, all about communication. The NFO is pretty much, we like run the radar systems in the back and you have to really be communicating with your pilot and the rest of your crew. So I'm very thankful to have lacrosse to pretty much teach me all my teamwork skills. I'm just really lucky. Speaking of lucky, you're very lucky that our co-host Ward Carroll, who um, was an F-14 Rio and who would spend the next 20 minutes talking to you about how great it is to be an NFO. 30 um, minutes. At least 45 minutes, actually. You are having a a luck-filled pod here. Um, Well, best of luck. Uh, Ellie, I mean, you, you guys have had, um, especially the seniors, I mean, you, you've had an experience like like none other. Um, and we're heartened every time that we get to talk to you guys because you just kind of, I mean, I wish the viewers could see you. I mean, it's just sort of like, eh, I mean, you know, we'll get through it and I'll go to Pensacola. And I mean that like as a compliment. I mean, that's such a great attitude because that's what you're going to face in the fleet. I mean, things are going to be good. Things are going to be bad. You just got to work through it. So um, I, I really appreciate that that attitude and uh, thanks for the time. John, you want to finish this off? I sure will. So Ellie, let's let's uh, end by going back to the beginning. How did you end up at the Naval Academy and, and did you choose the Naval Academy other, other, over other powerhouse like lacrosse programs or was like a, a lifetime of service? Yeah, don't, I'm not going to quote the mission statement to you, but was, was that something that just fundamentally appealed to you? Um, initially, well, when I was little, my dad would always be like, I want you to be a jet pilot, like fly planes. And I was like, military school? Like, no, like I was never military school. I honestly, and I love lacrosse in high school, but I was never like dead set on playing college. And then when I got that call from Cindy Timschel, it's just hard to say no to her. And eventually when I came up to Annapolis, 
um, junior year, I just like fell in love with everything and the feeling just being on the yard and just led me to here. I didn't really have any other options. I visited army actually, but no, not for me. I knew it right when I walked out there. <laughs> smart. You're, you're smarter <laughs> than some people here on this podcast, actually. Oh, um, I'm really sorry. <laughs> so uh, as we go out, Say you are that person. Say you're making that Cindy Timchell call. Um, if you add 60 seconds to talk to a recruit, um, lacrosse or otherwise, or just someone who's interested in the Naval Academy, how would you summarize your four years and how would you summarize what's special about that place to try to convince someone to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, um, I just say it's like an experience that you'll never understand until you go through it. And it makes you so such a stronger person. I've never in a million years thought I'd be where I was today. And just like having a different college experience that no one else can have and having people in your life that will be next to you no matter what happens is just so unique to our school. And that's something that our lacrosse team has over everyone else. Like we're the strongest family that I've ever seen. And you just can't get that anywhere else. I'm very grateful. Well, Ellie, the, the pleasure is all ours. And, and like Chris said, I wish we could bottle up what we hear from the athletes every single week. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for representing Navy athletics. And we'll be rooting for you um, on Wednesday against the Drexel Dragons. When this pod comes out, you'll be about to face Drexel and then uh, kicking uh, Patriot League play back off after a short sojourn against Drexel with Lehigh the following weekend. So Ellie Lecker, on behalf of Chris Cervello and um, Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol, we thank you and we hope to see you down in Ponte Vedra. All right, ladies thank and gentlemen, you. that was Ellie Lecker of the Navy Women's Lacrosse team. So awesome talking to her. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, Ward, Wags, and I will take us out. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. Awesome pod. Great talking to the coaches and to Ellie Lecker. Um, you know, and, and really, spring has sprung. It's here. Uh, if, if we're not out on the Naval Academy golf course, we're going to be out in town. People are getting vaccinated. Um, you know, it, it just it has an air of, of optimism. And let's, let's hope that the optimism keeps going. Um, speaking of things on the horizon about which to be optimistic, um, by the time this pod releases on Wednesday, uh, teams will be back in action. Baseball will be at Towson women's lacrosse. As we mentioned, we'll be playing the Drexel dragons at 5 PM at Navy Marine Corps stadium. The entirety of the sing second sports team will be back together in person as Chris Cervello, our producer will be up from his Florida sojourn, um, and joining us in Annapolis for some golf and women's lacrosse. And then men's soccer plays Loyola. Um, 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. And then the weekend slate gets gets pretty big. And as we mentioned, really important games for women's lacks and men's lacks. As we go out on the horizon, as the, um, as the college basketball season has ended, and again, congrats to the Baylor Bears. You know, what I'm really looking at is, 
is the continuation of sports going forward and then some understanding, better understanding. We're in the month of April now. What will commissioning week look like? Will there be a color parade? Will there be normalcy um, in Annapolis? Here we were, you know, last night and then this morning on the Today Show making a huge deal about how 40,000 people were sitting shoulder to shoulder in the new Texas Rangers stadium. Um, a decision that is getting widely panned right now. Like te- some Texans love it, but I'll tell you what, it's the largest grouping of human beings that we've had since the pandemic. Right or wrong, I don't necessarily know where you fall on it, but um, it, it should certainly be something that, that the Naval Academy looks at as they're trying to figure out what commissioning week looks like, what, what a commissioning ceremony in Navy Marine Corps Stadium looks like, which often has a lot of people, not 40,000 people, but a lot. So that's what I'm keeping my eye on. Wags, over to you. Um, I know that there's been a bunch of football um, uh, updates, including spring practices, uh, some shuffling around on the coaching staff. What have you been seeing in here? Well, just for the listeners, uh, Navy lost an assistant coach, which uh, is somewhat unexpected at this time of the year. The off-season coaching carousel normally takes place shortly after the season and maybe into January, even February at some point to some extent, but not this late. This is uh, rare. We're in early April and Navy's losing an assistant coach. The timing is poor. Uh, you know, they're in spring ball and now you got a coach walking out the door. Uh, Navy, fortunately, is well positioned. They lost James Adams, who was here for one year as cornerbacks coach. He was uh, lured away by Purdue. And I understand uh, Brad Lambert was hired as defensive coordinator at Purdue. And uh, he's kind of a mentor to James Adams. He coached James at Wake Forest. He hired, he gave James his first full-time job at uh, UNC Charlotte. So James is loyal to Brad Lambert and Brad Lambert came calling, but uh, it did leave Navy a bit in alerts, but fortunately Navy has RB Green who uh, played cornerback at Navy, had previously coached the cornerback. So he can step seamlessly into that role until coach Niamatololo is able to find a replacement, which I'm guessing he doesn't have time to do a coaching search during the middle of spring camp. So that'll probably be pushed off until after spring camp concludes. And we're uh, after this week, I think they'll be midway through spring ball. Um, I asked for an updated depth chart because I've got to file a Navy football preview for Athlon's magazine, which is one of the annuals that comes out in the summer you find on the bookshelves. And, uh, there is no update because they haven't even hit there. You know, because of the ROM delaying spring football, the first week they had to be non-contact running around in shorts. And so they haven't really strapped it up and started hitting that commences. Well, it did commence on Monday and we'll know a lot more in about a week or so. Um, but we did talk to Ivan Jasper and he said, it's not a 100% definite that Xavier Arline is a starting quarterback. He said he's got a head start by the virtue of having gotten game reps and started the, against Army, but he had some really complimentary things to say about our guy, Ty Lavatai, who was the starting quarterback at the Naval Academy Prep School and performed very well. And he said he's a big kid, he's athletic, and he said he throws the football as well as any quarterback Navy's had since Ricky Dobbs. That's really saying something. So uh, I think Ty is going to pressure Xavier for that starting position. And uh, 
Today we're talking to Ashley Ingram. I, I've been really curious about the offensive line, which was somewhat disappointing last season and uh, is being rebuilt. They've lost several good offensive linemen, Billy Honaker and Peter Nestwitz, who some people are talking about as a potential pro prospect. And this offensive line is being rebuilt. And as we all know, with the triple option, you're nowhere if you don't have a high-functioning offensive line. So a lot going on with football, and it's really heating up because now they're starting to hit and get after it, Johnny. Yeah, in addition to spring football, there were also pro days, right? So, um, you know, I, I echo what you said about Nestorowitz. You know, he has been talked about a lot uh, in terms of a potential NFL draft pick. Uh, Cam Kinley, uh, Miles Fells, um, you know, a lot of athletes. And I know that there are some athletes in other sports who are, who are definitely keeping their eye on the DOD policy that allows for deferring your commission and, um, and pursuing professional athletics. So, you know, we'll keep our eye on that. I mean, we can have an entire show about the merits of whether athletes should leave the academy and uh, pursue professional sports. Next month in the month of May will mark two years since Noah Song was drafted by the Boston Red Sox. And the expiration of that normal two-year waiting period before you can ask for a transition to the reserves in order to pursue pro sports. If you remember, Noah wasn't grandfathered into the new DOD policy uh, that allows people to go directly in because he had graduated before uh, the policy was set down. So it'll be interesting to watch how this goes, um, you know, with the three particular football players who are getting NFL interest or have at least expressed interest uh, in having pro days and pursuing NFL careers. And then Noah Song as well. Ward, what are you keeping your eye on? Obviously, this weekend we'll be looking for uh, some lacrosse action at Navy Marine Corps Memorial. Meanwhile, the, the Masters is happening. Um, and it's uh, this year is unusual because it just happened in November. You know, so um, the other thing against not to get into politics, but the whole boycott Georgia based on Governor Kemp's voting law piece and Major League Baseball pulling the all-star game. And then Marco Rubio asked the commissioner of baseball if he's going to relinquish his membership at Augusta uh, overnight. So uh, I'm kind of watching that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's disappointing and interesting and uh, chaotic all at once. So uh, I hope we can just have the purity of sport live in its own realm. Obviously, it is a rite of spring, and last year we didn't have it in the springtime, so there were no uh, blooms happening, and you know Augusta looked kind of brownish uh, instead of its normal uh, azalea blossoms. So uh, that's what I'm going to be watching. You know, every available uh, minute from Thursday through Sunday. I don't have any favorites there. Um, I, I, you know, every time I try to pick. Uh, like, uh, you know, Chucky three sticks or something like that, I wind up being grossly wrong. So I'm going to stop trying to pick who is going to win. Um, I, I like Dustin. Um, not a huge fan, uh, fan of, of Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, I, his whole vibe just kind of bugs me. Um, but uh, so, yeah, the Masters is what uh, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm watching uh, this this week. I am going with a dark horse. Uh, I am uh, picking Tommy Fleetwood. Um, you know, he's kind of been under the radar a little bit after kind of splashing onto the scene 
Um, I, I think people need to look out for Jordan Spieth. You know, if, if people talk about the merits of the Houston Open being played the week before, um, you know, whether that's a good tune-up for golfers or whether they need the week off to get acclimated to Augusta. Um, I'm just glad that it's back. Um, so there's there's know, an I'm, academy I'm there's an academy it. hook there's an academy hook for Jordan Spieth. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before because I don't think you say, If you say golf, that means Billy Hurley, our good friend Billy Hurley. Um, but Jordan Spieth's uncle is a Naval Academy classmate of mine. Um, Jordan Spieth's mom is the sister of my classmate Bobby Julius, who was an E2 pilot in the fleet and has been an airline pilot. Since then, great guy, good friend of mine. So that's Ooh, our. I think I'm, sing I'm changing my pick to speak. <laughs> degrees from you know the Naval Academy. There, there's what one degree, right? Jordan Spieth's uncle is a Naval Academy grad, class of '82. There you go, from the great class of 1982. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it, it this is what I've always affectionately called, and and I'm channeling my good friend Mike Heary here. But it's it's literally the best week of anyone's life ever, and that is Jim Nance. So he gets to call basically the very best college semifinal game I think I've ever seen um, the UCLA Gonzaga game. And then he calls the NCAA final last night. And now he saunters down to Augusta and he gets to call four days of the greatest golf tournament. It's just Jim Nance is my spirit animal and I'm, and I'm wildly envious of, of the life that he has this week. So um, if you are not uh, watching the masters, if you're not, um, they're supporting the Naval Academy sports teams in person this weekend. Please tune in to our Twitter and Instagram pages. We will give you as much of an update as possible, beginning with Wednesday night's action at Navy Marine Corps Stadium with the women's lacrosse team. Um, thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you so much to Ellie Lecker and Nadia St. Marie and Kip Simons. And thank you, as always, to the Navy sports information staff for making everyone available to us. Uh, for Chris Cervello and Ward Carroll and our special guest, Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. Please wear a mask. Please be good to each other. Thank you to our sponsors at Academy Consulting and Mills Fine Wine and Spirits. And we will see you next week here on Sing Second Sports. Have a great week. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show, and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.